Welcome to the Connect to Marriage podcast by Focus on the Family Singapore. If disagreements can work to strengthen a marriage, why is it still so hard to work things out? Hello and welcome to the Connect to Marriage podcast. I am Delia and I'm your host for this episode. And in each episode of the Connect to podcast, we'll be tackling questions that couples ask about marriage, communication and conflict and so much more. We hope you will keep tuning in to learn with us as you grow closer, deeper and stronger in your marriage. Our topic today is on the art of disagreements. Navigating tension and disagreements with our most loved ones can be hard. And today we continue the second part of our sharing uh, with Jenny and Raymond. In part one of the art of disagreements, we learn from them how to keep our emotions in check and how to approach conflict as a healthy part of marriage. So today we are back with them, our seasoned marriage trainers, Raymond and Jenny. Welcome back to the Connect2 podcast. <laughs> Thank Raymond you. And Jenny. It's good to be back. Yeah, we're so excited to pick up our conversation where we left off previously. And you shared with us about the four horsemen and the way conflicts are being viewed in marriages. So let's jump right back into zooming in on the essential skills that every couple needs to fight well. Before you do that, maybe you can share with us one thing you've learned from each other through a specific conflict that you've encountered. Sure. I think one of the things that we learned through all these years is that oftentimes we share the same intent, even when we are having the disagreement, we actually mean well mm. in whatever things that we are trying to achieve or talk about. We have this good intentions for each other and for the situation. However, it just lands very differently. The way we approach the matter, the way we do things are different, right? And that has contributed to the conflicts. Yeah, conflicts has also taught me what's important to mm. Raymond. From my point of view, I can only see what's important to me. That's right. right. So to give an example, as you know, we're both corporate trainers and we train marriage prep classes. So my personality, I'm a very organized person. I like to get things ready way in advance. So, so just imagine one week before the workshop, I will be getting ready the slides, prepping. Everything will be done one week before. Everything will be done one week before. <laughs> the materials are prepped, the slides are prepped. You know, and I would then hope for Jenny to sit down with me and I run through the slides and the, the run sheet with her, what's going to happen about time and who's supposed to do what. And guess what? I look at it and go, hmm, well done, darling. Here's what I think needs to be changed. And, and this <laughs> happens right on the night before the workshop And I'm happens. like, there's still time to change. Right. So guess what happens, and right? And I'm, I'm stating very valuable suggestions. And I see him starting to fume. And I'm like, why are you taking offense at my suggestions? Do you not think that they are great suggestions? And Raymond goes, yes, but... And we're like, what's wrong? Why am I not allowed to make those changes? Right? Yeah. So we're quarreling over... Uh, the changes which we really have the same intent of making the uh, class a good one. Uh, yeah, making improvements to the slide, yes. to the learner experience. But the timing is the issue. Yeah, that's right. So for me, being on time is like being ready about a week ago. <laughs> for her, her definition of being on time is on time. really on time, right? <laughs> so it, as you can imagine, this has been a constant source of passionate conversations between us. Yeah, uh, and I think we've learned, again, coming back to, to what I've just mentioned, we both want the same thing, which is good experience for the learners. Whatever we are trying to accomplish is actually for the good, but the way we approach things are just quite different. And therefore, I realized that, oh, okay, being on time and really preparing way in advance is so important to my husband 
Whereas for me, it's like, hey, just on time is just on time. <laughs> you know, I'm cool with that. So we're learning more about each other through those disagreements. So, so these days, what I would do is, okay, darling, the slides are ready. We need to talk about it. Can we do it by this day, this time? And I know that's a signal. Okay, get all my changes in earlier. <laughs> yeah, not just the night before. So I have also got to learn how to be flexible, to adapt to her needs as well. Because through the years, I've come to appreciate that the changes that she suggested that she wants to make are actually good. Yay! It makes a lot of sense. And more often than not, they often make the training in a workshop a lot more fun, a lot more enjoyable, a lot more mm -hmm. meaningful. So I trust her. I, I've come to trust her judgment. So it's just a timing, as she said, right? So learning how to work together more effectively. That's great. And I recall in our previous conversation, you were sharing with us that um, even in hearing each other out requires good communication skills. Mm. So let's dive into that. I hear that when you are making a request from one another, there is something that you're requesting of each other specifically and that requires some level of assertion. Mm. So let's talk about assertive communication. So what we have learned that helped us in our conflict resolution is the need to be assertive. Let's define what assertiveness means, right? Assertiveness is not being bossy, it's not being domineering, it's, it's not, not being banging the, table. banging the table, you know, and shouting your demands across the table at each other. But rather, assertiveness is the ability to express your feelings and ask for what you want from each other in a relationship, yeah. to be able to convey your needs to your spouse in a calm, hopefully calm and productive way. And we found that that is an important indicator of couples who are happier. They have the ability to communicate their needs to each other so that they can meet those needs. The opposite of assertiveness is really not sharing what you need and it's avoidance. avoidance. Mm -hmm. Like what we shared previously, you know, the myths of a happy marriage is that you should not be quarreling, you should not be having conflicts. But where do those issues then go to, they get swept under the carpet and then they boil over when you know we cannot control yeah. our emotions then. And to add another point why assertiveness is so important and this is based on actual data, research has found out that the better the couple is able to assert their needs to one another, there's a higher probability that marriage will be in a happier place. And this is by data, actual data proved it. And we could see when couples do their assessments and their personality profiles, and we could see that those couples that struggle with assertiveness, being assertive, they tend to struggle with them in the marriages as well. Marriage is one of the most rewarding things in life. Yet navigating marriage as newlyweds or an engaged couple can sometimes get overwhelming. Whether it's managing expectations of the in-laws, getting a good grasp of your family finances, or establishing good habits of communication and healthy conflict. Focus on the Family Singapore's Marriage Preparation Program aims to help you build a solid foundation in the early years and prepare you for the adventure of your life. Visit family.org.sg slash C2 Marriage Prep for more information today. Interestingly, I believe in our context or our culture, being assertive may be related to appearing to be dominating. Mm. And how do we maneuver around this? We can be assertive without being disrespectful. Absolutely. Like, you know, whether it's a choice of words or body language, can we unpack that a bit more? One of the benefits of learning about assertive communication is you learn how to present what you want in a calm manner. The flip side is if we don't start to present what we want in a calm manner, 
by the time it comes out, it is so filled with emotions, we can no longer speak about the issue in a calm manner. So let's unpack the five aspects of what assertive communication is. The first step is you want to state the observation. What are you observing about the situation that's making you upset? The second step is what are your feelings or emotions associated with what's the, the case at point? What's triggering you? The third point would be share your needs and what is your intention behind it? What do you need from this situation? What are some actions, which is the fourth step? What are the actions needed to move this forward? What do you want to see happen? And the fifth one is empathize with each other. Ask, what can we do to make it better for both of us? So those are the five steps. Maybe let's put an example to it. <laughs> okay, so this is a, a real example that has happened repeatedly, especially in our earlier years of marriage. Just imagine after being married, we stayed away from my parents. So coming from a traditional Chinese family, the idea of going back to my parents' place for dinners on weekends is kind of expected, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what happens on a typical, one of the typical conversations. I would tell Jenny, darling, we are going back to my parents for dinner this weekend. In the first year of marriage. Okay, sure. Yeah. Then second year of marriage. Dear... Do we really have to go back? And then this keeps going on until, you know, the third year, fourth year, fifth year. and I. Why do we have to go back? You know, whoever goes back every week to their parents' place, I've compared, I've asked my friends, you know, they don't go back every week. Why are we going back every week? And that, <laughs> that is really triggering. And that's how our conflicts happen. Yeah. And Raymond would then say, what's wrong with going back? That's right. And so for me, it's, a, it's very confusing because uh, in the earlier years, everything seems fine, right? There's no issue. Why suddenly... She's speaking an issue. So we had to struggle through this very, very real and uh, thorny it was a big, problem. It yeah. was a big struggle for us. And, you know, um, the whole topic of in-laws is a very big issue. Many of us don't know how to assert our needs and wants. As a young couple, as a couple who's living their life together, what's important for us, what's important for our family of origin. So we really had to learn through it. So applying assertiveness in this situation. Yeah. So I realised I was really upset. We were fighting each other about going back, but actually we were fighting about how I was feeling. And I was actually feeling a little bit unloved because the backstory of it is that we didn't have a lot of time for each other, you know, being busy, working full time, having to go home and do housework, minding the kids, you know, at that point in time. And then here we are still needing to go back. So dutifulness over our own couple dates, which we didn't really have. Yeah. So that was what we were fighting yeah, over. And, and just to be very clear, we are not saying let's not be filial or yeah. respectful to our parents. I think that is a given. We must be respectful. But I think in this case, as Jenny has rightly pointed out, is it was how I was making her feel yeah. in this situation. So mm -hmm. let's role play that one more time. So darling, we're going back again this weekend for dinner. Dear, I'm really not feeling up to it. I'm sorry, you know. I, I really can't. We seem to have to go back to your parents' place. You, did you tell your mom that we're going back already? Yeah. You told your mom we're going back? Yeah, as per, you know, usually this is what we always do, right? So, you know, dear, I, I do get a little bit upset. That's step two of feelings. I, I do get upset when you commit to going back without asking me. I'm currently having a little bit of a headache, so that's how I'm feeling. I'm having a headache, you know, we have not had enough time with each other and it makes me feel that you care more about going back to your parents than our couple time and how I'm feeling at this point in time. My need is that I need time with you. Could you prioritize our couple time first before going back to your parents' place? 
Step number five is empathize. You know, I know going back to your parents is important. It's actually important to me, even though I seem to fight with you on it. But what's really important is our couple time and how can we honour your parents without compromising our couple time? So that's actually assertive communication. I'm telling Raymond that he commits to going back without asking me. It makes me feel ignored. It makes me feel like he doesn't love me at all and that he prioritizes his parents over me. Mm. I need to be prioritized. That's my need. Mm. And the fourth one is a request to him. Could you please check with me before committing to your parents what I'll schedule like for the week? You know, am I feeling okay? I may not be in the best position to go mm. back. And the last one is, you know, how can we honor your parents without compromising our time together? So to me, when we learned to do this mm. a bit better, what I came to appreciate was that, hey, I actually, I didn't know her needs. I was just assuming that since we do this same act every weekend, should just go on forever and we shouldn't question yeah. this practice, right? So I've taken it for granted without realizing that actually she is struggling. I mean, true, at that point in time, the kids were still very little. We had very little time for each other. Mm. But to me, it was just... SOP, right, every week going back to my parents' And for place. me, I felt like a lousy daughter-in-law. I would fight you over your parents, but honouring your mm. parents is equally important to me. Yeah. And I, I didn't want to even raise it up. So it was the same for the first year, yeah. for the second That's year. That's right. That's wow, right. I think that's such a relevant example that you have shared <laughs> because I can also relate to it. And I can hear also that in the whole process of um, practising assertive communication, it also requires the other party to exercise a different skill, mm. which is active listening. Because if we just hear what is being said on the surface, for example, I feel like I, I'm unloved, and someone who is defensive may say, how can you say I don't love you? You know, Absolutely. I love you, but I, I bought this thing for <laughs> Were you. Were you there I, when we fought? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can also put myself in the shoes. And could hear Raymond also um, mentioned just now, you know, hearing the heart of what Jenny is expressing, right? Because that is what your perception was, this how I felt. But maybe Rima's like, no, that wasn't my intent. Share a bit more about active listening and how mm. um, as a couple, we could also go through this conversation together and emerge from that conversation feeling like we have both heard and understood each other. So let's define what active listening is, right? And active listening is basically the ability to let your partner know that you have heard them and you have understood what they are trying to tell us. So basically listening for the heart rather than just the words, and helping your spouse understand that you have truly grasped what's on the heart. So that's what active listening mm. is all about. It's not about, uh-huh, yes, yes, okay, next, right, and move on. And I'm guilty of that. Oftentimes, you know... So I could be asking me, dear, are you listening? And then I'm using my mobile phone, you know, and my body language is not very, very turned towards her. Or he might say, yes, I'm listening. I'm like, no, no you haven't not. listened. <laughs> so active listening is the ability to help your partner feel that you have truly listened. And how do we do that? We do that by our response. So if our response is just, I hear you, what have you heard? How does your partner know that you have truly heard? I think, first of all, let's address what helps us to listen better, right? What, what, how does active listening, good active listening require? I think one of the things I've come to appreciate is the need to be present with each other when we speak, when she speaks, when she talks. And that includes, you know, uh, making sure that I put away my mobile phone, we put away my laptop, my work, and just choosing to sit with her. There are times where I knew that she needs to talk even though she didn't verbalize it, she's feeling a bit upset. I'll have to be intentional in putting aside mm. whatever I'm doing and just be present with her and talk to her. The other pitfall of uh, listening, sometimes we listen to 
reply, we yeah, listen to be but. So I have to keep telling myself, okay, just listen, understand, but not to answer back, mm. right? To really understand what's going on in her yeah. mind. And I think active listening also requires us to be curious. Mm. What exactly is the other person saying? What have I not heard? And to have a healthy self-doubt that maybe I'm not right. Let me mm. hear another perspective, another viewpoint. So a few things, be really present. Active listening uh, requires us to be really present with each other. It requires us to have a level of curiosity behind what the other person is saying and not to listen to rebut, but listen to try and see, hey, what am I not getting? What's the other perspective that I haven't heard? Before we go into the actual steps of how to respond. So in learning how to respond, there are six handles that help us to respond in a way that our partner feels that they have truly been heard. I'll share them quite quickly. The first one is paraphrasing. So paraphrasing is confirming your understanding in your own words. Let's give an example. How do we honour your parents without compromising on our couple time? What I'm hearing from you is that our own couple time is very important to you and you hope that we have some time for ourselves apart from just going back to my parents' place every week. Yes, that's exactly what I want. The second one is clarifying. So asking questions, uh, restating interpretations so that you can encourage a slightly deeper thinking about it. So one of the clarifying questions Raymond asked me when we were having that conflict is this. Please help me to understand what's making you feel that I don't love you. Yeah, and then I would say... It's when you prioritize going back, it makes me feel you love your parents more than you love me. The third one is verbalizing emotions. So if you're able to actually verbalize the emotions that you've heard, it helps your partner feel that, oh, you've actually understood what's making me angry and you've actually understood the emotion. Yeah, so this could sound something like this. I can see that I have made you really upset when I have committed to my parents mm -hmm. without consulting you yeah. first. And what's really amazing if Raymond is able to articulate the emotion, the whole energy dissipates. I'm being understood. I don't have to fight him because I am understood. Mm. So just verbalizing the emotion of how it's making the other person feel, mm. it's tremendous in terms of just mm. bringing the whole argument or the whole conflict to a, a new level of calmness. The fourth area is uh, what we call encouraging. So what, what encouraging really means is to convey our interest and encourage the other party to keep speaking and offering different ideas and suggestions. So going back to the example that Jenny shared earlier about how can we find creative ways to honour my parents instead of doggedly going back every weekend for a dinner. What we have done in real life is that instead of going back every Saturday or Sunday for dinner on occasions is just buy pastries and then go back on a Sunday to mm. my parents' place. So instead of spending three hours or four hours on a Sunday night, which could be our date time, now we do it on a Sunday, let's say in the afternoon after lunch because we're on the way home anyway. We just swing by their place for just one or two hours, a shorter visit, but it was a creative way of still connecting with mm. my parents but yet also honouring Jenny, the need for us to have our own couple time. So it would sound something like in terms of the uh, active listening aspect. I'm curious to hear what creative ideas you may have that you said that we could consider to honour my parents and yet having time for each other. Yeah, so instead of going back every Saturday or Sunday night, which is precious to me because that's our couple time, why don't we visit them on Sundays mm. on the way back? You know, we could bring them tea or we could bring them out for lunch since we're going out, you know, and That's right. we don't do date lunches yeah. on Sundays. So, That's yeah, right. That so, so this helpful. to me personally has been very mind-blowing and 
again, this is going back to Jenny's adaptability. We talked about personalities right in the earlier podcast that me being a very organized person, things must happen in a certain way, in a certain time. So here she is giving different ideas and it has helped us. So I, I really, really appreciate her for that. That's wonderful. And I, I think what I'm really picking up from the both of you is that even though there may be five tips to apply active listening, we may not need to apply all five yeah. in one sitting. Mm-hmm. Yes. It could also sound a bit more, depending on the temperature or the weather of the yeah, day. That's yes. right. um, we might also need to maybe temper this down a bit more, paraphrase, understand the situation, then come back with the ideas part later on okay. when uh, we are, we've got a bit more mind space mm-hmm. to do that. So thanks so much for sharing with us about assertive communication and active listening. I just wonder if you have any encouraging words to share with our listeners before we wrap up. We have a quote that we often share and that's something that reframes the whole concept of conflict and it's by Rick Warren who wrote it in his book The Purpose Driven Life. He says, the tunnel to conflict is the passage to intimacy in any relationship. Until you care enough to confront and resolve the underlying barriers, you will never grow close to each other. I'm so drawn by this imagery of a tunnel, right? Because when you're in it, you may not know what's at the end of it. You actually also feel very blindsided. What else is there in this for me? But if we walk through it together, Mm. it really draws us deeper in our marriage. So speaking to our listeners out there, I really hope that you've benefited hearing from both Raymond and Jenny, just as I have. And if you're listening to this episode with your spouse, our couple challenge for you today is to take an extra five minutes at the end of this episode to share with each other one tip that you plan to apply. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode and do you know of a friend or a couple who are newly married married or getting married this year, do invite them to check out our Connect to Marriage Preparation Workshop in July. Visit www.family.org.sg slash C2 Marriage Prep to find out more. We hope you have followed and subscribed to our Connect to podcast and maybe even share this with a friend who may benefit from it as well. Thank you for tuning in and until next time, take care of yourself and your spouse.